Wow, it's so good to see you this morning. Rob Royce leaned up to me right before the, the offering and goes, what a powerful morning of worship. Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra. Thank you, congregation. And, and Rob is way too gracious and generous to say, don't mess it up, preacher. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. So, <laughs> Wow, I, I remember the story. It's a preacher story about the congregation, the church was having that powerful morning of worship and, and they were saying, I'll fly away and I'll go into glory and, and rejoicing over the, the promise and the hope of, of being in heaven one day. And then as the choir sang, and to see him face to face, won't that be glorious? Won't that be wonderful? And the preacher got excited and, and he got before his congregation. He said, aren't you excited that we get to go to heaven? And the choir, yes, preacher. And he got going, yes, Aren't you excited? We get to see Jesus one day. And oh, they began to clap and, and stand and, and rejoice about the prospect and promise of going to heaven. And, and the preacher continued on and the, the congregation would answer back. And finally, the preacher noticed one gentleman sitting right in the middle of the congregation. And he was just sitting there. And everyone else was rejoicing and anticipating going to heaven and, and, and being with the Lord. And, and finally, the preacher calmed the congregation down and said, Sir, sir, don't you want to go to heaven one day when you die? He said, Oh, when I die, I thought you were trying to get a group to go today. <laughs> wow. What are you looking forward to in 2020? Certainly we have loved ones and those we care about that, that will rejoice and go on and be with the Lord. But for the rest of us that, that get to experience each day of life, what, what are you anticipating? What, what do you hope to experience? What are you planning for and anticipating as you live each day with your Lord and Savior? As you grow in His Word, as you, as you become strengthened in His body, and discovering your place of, of life, of ministry, and, and practicing that. What are you anticipating? What are you looking forward to? And today, as a, as a church, as a congregation, we get to, to pause, and we get to look to the, to the future. We get to look to, as Hebrews 13, 8 says, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We get to, to look at forever, and specifically tomorrow and 2020, what would we anticipate? What do we expect and hope for as we experience the Lord? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll, we'll begin there at verse 8. That key passage that we've been focusing on over these last, last weeks, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we might ask this question, well, well how can this be? How, how could Jesus be the same forever, for today, for yesterday? How, how could he be the same? Wouldn't that at some point make Jesus irrelevant? Wouldn't that at some point make Jesus the God, the, the Messiah who's stuck in the past, who's irrelevant for the contemporary modern world that we live in? And I would proclaim, I suspect as you would, well, of course that doesn't mean that. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever because He is the perfect one. He is the complete one. He is the mature one. We are the ones 
that must continually grow and mature and be moving toward Him in our lives. This morning, I want us to to share together and to read and repeat together the mission of our church as a reminder of who we believe that God has called us to be. It's written there in your bulletin. If you'd like to take that, it's, it's on our screen. So, so let's read together. Let's say together as an affirmation of God's call to us as His people, the people at First Baptist Church of Norman. God's mission for us is to love people wherever they are and teach them to live as followers of Jesus Christ. The context of everything that we do as a church must be founded in this mission. We shorten it at times and we say that our mission is to to love people. To love people with our words and with our actions wherever they are. And that can certainly mean geographically, but it means in whatever phase, whatever state or situation of life that people find themselves in, we are called to love them to be His witnesses to them. Witnesses of truth, of love, of grace, of forgiveness. To love them, to be His witness in their lives. We're called to teach His Word, to be faithful to His Scriptures, to to study and to know and to understand His Word. His Word that was inspired by His Spirit and the authors of long ago. And His Word that continues to be relevant as it continues to be illuminated by that same Spirit in our world and in our lives today. And we are called to live as His followers, as followers of Christ the Lord, as His disciples as those that would follow after Him, the One who is perfect and complete and mature in all things. So with this in mind, we read our passage for today, beginning in verse 9. Again, verse 8 sets the context that we've already shared several times. Verse 9 continues on to the church. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. So let us go on to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him then, through Christ then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them, let your leaders do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you the sooner. Briefly, I'd like to just reflect back over these few verses. 
That, that first section there is, is the section I want to call that we must be strengthened by grace. As we look to the future, as we look to tomorrow, as we look to forever, we must be a people that are, are strengthened by grace. We're strengthened by grace. Why? Because as the author here tells us that, that we must be strengthened, we must be taught, we must be discipled to combat those strange teachings that are all around us. You see, there's strange teachings in our culture, in our world today, that tell us who, who God is and who Jesus is, but they're not teachings founded and based upon the Scriptures. And so we must be careful of those strange teachings. As we would know those religious groups around us that would say, oh, we love Jesus, but, but let's look at this. Let, let's look beyond Jesus. Let's, let's look at something greater than Jesus. We must be careful and guarded against these strange teachings. The passage there reminds us of the, of the centrality of Jesus through, through His sacrifice. And as we read through the book of, of Hebrews, it gives context to these last verses. Verses that remind us that, that we're not saved by the shedding of the blood of goats, but that our salvation comes through the shedding of the blood of, of the God-man, of Jesus the Christ who sacrificed Himself willingly and obediently for us. Notice here at the end of this short, this short paragraph, the reminder that we are not citizens of this city. We are not citizens of, of this country. We are not citizens of this world. For you see, we are to be seeking. We are to be seeking that, that, that city, that heaven, that kingdom of God that lies beyond this earth. You see, this is not our home. But that does not mean that we live here and that we, we work here and we serve here with indifference or with apathy. But rather, we must understand, as, as Paul would say, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are, are citizens of another kingdom sent here to, to represent the kingdom of God and to live that out in its fullest, to be ministers of reconciliation between our neighbor between our enemy and God. Let us not forget this. As we continue in this passage, we're reminded that we are to worship always. You might say, well, that's kind of awkward, Pastor. How do you, how do you worship always? Well, we, we worship always when we understand that our lives, our lives are an act of worship. Certainly what we do at First Baptist at, at 10.30 on a Sunday morning is, is an important part of our, our practice of worship. We are called to worship together. To worship as the body of Christ. To, to lift our voices together. To, to lift our instruments with one another. And to offer our lives corporately as a, as a family, as the body of Christ. Yes, we are called to worship together. But we must understand that as life is an act of worship, that we are, we are called to worship individually we worship through our praise, through our, our thanksgiving to God. We worship, as the Scripture says, through acts of sacrifice. You see here in these verses where, where the writer wants us to understand, and I believe there's a connection there, that we worship, yes, with praise and thanksgiving, but we also worship by doing good. We worship by sharing. These are acts of sacrifice. These are acts of worship. 
Remember what Paul says in Romans 12.1. He says that we're to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service, our spiritual act of worship. We understand that we worship through sharing. We worship God through giving sacrificially. Then we can understand the, the, the opportunity we have to worship without ceasing, to worship always. Notice next as the passage transitions to verse 17, that we're to obey our leaders. Now, this is not blind obedience. It's interesting here that this idea of obedience is, is in the passive voice. And it literally says this, it says, we are to be persuaded by our leaders. Notice in verse 7, in verse 7 as it talks about our leaders, that we are to imitate the faith of our leaders, that, that our leaders should live, live lives in which they, their faith is so real, their faith is so authentic, that it would cause us to say, you know what, I want to imitate their faith. I want to understand their faith as they look to Christ and as they follow after Christ. And therefore, our lives, the lives of our leaders, the lives of our, our ministers, the lives of our deacons, our, our life group leaders, the lives of, of anyone who would be a leader in our church is to be offered as an act of worship, as an act of persuasion to those that they serve. Remember, Jesus said that authority is not to be used to lord over others. Authority is not an act of coercion that leaders are to, to exercise over people. That's the way the world does it. That's the way the kingdoms of this world does it. But that's not so in the kingdom of God. Rather, our leaders live lives of persuasion, of authenticity, of faith, so that those that, that come after them would say, I want to imitate that. And so we are called as leaders to serve others. Our staff, our ministry staff is called to serve others. Our deacons are called to serve others. And then this next little phrase for all of us, because leaders will give an account one day. I will give an account one day for the way that I've, I've, I've pastored, the way that I've shepherded, the way that I've led here in this place just as deacons will, just as other ministers will, just as you as Sunday school and life group leaders will, will give an accounting of how you served and how you led. And then to all of us, may our leaders do so with joy, not with grief. Oh, that we can encourage and, and, and offer words of, of, of thanksgiving to our leaders in a way that, that encourages them, in a way that allows them to experience their life and ministry is a great joy before the Lord. And lastly, the writer of Hebrews tells us that as we look to tomorrow, we're to be a, a people that pray. We're to pray without ceasing. We're, we're to pray that our conduct and that our behavior will be honorable in all things. Again, I love the way Paul says in Philippians 1, as, as he, he says to the church, this is how I want to pray for you, and this is how I want you to pray for each other. He says, pray that your love, church, Pray that your love will abound in knowledge. Pray that your love will abound in discernment and that you will act, that your love will cause you to approve and act upon all those things which are excellent. 
Oh, that we would pray for each other in this way. God, I pray for First Baptist Church, the people at First Baptist, that we would grow in our love and that that love would be nurtured and strengthened in our knowledge, in our discernment, and that as we live out our faith, that we would do so in a way that is excellent, complete, and mature in coming after you. I think this scripture is a beautiful scripture for us to, to springboard and to look and to anticipate at what God would have for us in 2020. You know, 2020 is, is, is going to be a busy year. It's an Olympic year. I, I, I love the Olympics. I can't wait. I'm anticipating. I'm looking forward to the Summer Olympics. About the time that the Olympics is over, if, if we've made it that far, we'll be in the final drive to the election. I'm not looking forward to the election season. Oh, that we would be a people. Oh, that Christians, followers of Christ, would be a people that could show how to move forward in conversation. And even in the midst of disagreement, that we could honor and respect and love one another. And yet I think all of us here today would be, are afraid of the polarization, the demonization that lies before us as a nation as we enter into this season of election and politics. May we be faithful to pray for our country, our nation, and its leaders over these days. But what are we anticipating? What are we looking forward to in the life of our church? Let me share some thoughts based on this Hebrews passage. First of all, in 2020, let us be strengthened by grace. What does it mean to be strengthened by grace? Well, I think to be strengthened by grace is another way to describe and to speak about the life of salvation. The life in which we are redeemed, in which we are saved, it's reflected in our own discipleship, in our own following after Christ, in our own growing and maturing in the faith. It's reflected in evangelism, in sharing our faith and living our faith out with others. It's reflected in baptism as we see others come to know Christ and we rejoice with them as they profess Him as Lord and Savior and follow Him in baptism. To be strengthened by grace means that we reach out to others in ministry, in serving and loving and caring for others. In 2020, I want us to continue to, to move forward strengthened by grace. Last year, we talked about growing young, and we've taken some, taken some steps. We've, we've started some new life groups that we, we rejoiced in last week, but, but a new word I want us to, to, to begin to understand and to move forward to. And, and you might say, well, we've, we've heard that and done that before, but it's the idea of family ministry. It's understanding as a church how we, how we minister to the family, the, the, the family at large, the family at large at First Baptist, which includes all of us, young and old, but also what does it mean to, to minister to the family at whatever stage that, that a family is in? A newlywed family, a, a family with small children, a family with grade school children, with youth, with university students, a family that's entering into that empty nest, a family that's growing old and transitioning, a family that's experiencing death. And all along the way, how do we come together as a church and experience that as one? I pray that our ministries 
would be focused in family areas. I think gone are the days where, where we silo the age groups and the generations. Where when we walk in, and, and there, there's value, and, and we still do, but certainly there's value in having uh, ministries and events focused on youth and going to a youth evangelism conference and to youth camps. There's value in having children's things, but, but where are we reaching the family together and ministering across the generations with one another? One of the things we're committed to here at First Baptist is, is worshiping together across the generations. The truth is, is we have many families with children that, that do not come here because they like the idea of dropping their children off somewhere else during worship and picking them up afterwards. I almost fell out of my chair when I had a pastor tell me once that children were a distraction in worship. We believe that we should be together, worshiping across the generations, that worship is not to be dumbed down, but that we're to raise up a generation in worship. And know that we would continue to strive in this way as we seek to develop family ministry, our life groups, our Wednesday night ministries. Converge is coming up. I'm, I'm so thrilled and excited about Converge again this year. Justin and, and Tracy and the, the Converge team are meeting and planning already. And, and I'm so excited about Jimmy Doral coming this year to lead and to talk with us and to share with us about his ministry. Again, a family ministry. Gathering the generations together for worship, for fellowship, for ministry and service, for learning. Our family ministry is where we need to continue to focus and talk about how do we make a difference in the lives of our families. Strengthened by grace is also means that, that we're to be strengthened in that way because as we talked about earlier, that those around us and even ourselves are tempted to be carried away. Carried away by strange teachings. That's why our Bible studies on, in our life groups, our Bible studies on Wednesday night are so important Mike Wilson has been committed to our foundations classes and, and he's begun a new series. He wanted to make sure that we, that we were sharing and I want you to be uh, aware of this class he's offering on Wednesday nights called Making Good Decisions. Stories from the Bible. Looking at scriptural stories and, 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 and the text and seeing how, how did they make good and bad decisions in the scripture and how can we learn from those and how can we find God in the midst of our decision-making? Those classes are on Wednesday night during our Wednesday night study time. Two other areas I want you to be aware of as we seek to be strengthened by grace this year. Number one is in our shepherding and pastoral care ministries. Our deacon leadership team continues to, to work and, and to talk about that this afternoon. I meet with them, meet with Suzette as we talk about what does it mean to really coordinating our deacons in our, our, life, our age group ministries, coordinating our, our deacons and our ministry staff together to, to shepherd and to, to care for one another? How can we do this in a, in a better way so that folks don't fall through the cracks in their time of need, in their time in which we need to come alongside of them and love and nurture them? As a part of family ministry and staff, we've been talking about how do we come together and, and we're looking for some creative names and ideas, but, but basically to gather gather in, in, in support group areas. Groups where we're, we're going through life and we need to, to have those who shared and have been maybe further along in the journey than us to gather together. 
So many folks today are dealing with, with anxiety and stress. Well, what if we had a group that they could talk about how we deal with that? I've come through and I've shared my story, I've been, been trying to be open with my story of cancer, but we have so many in our church that are, are struggling with cancer. What if we had a, a group that could meet together and, and talk through those battles and struggles and challenges and journeys, the celebrations and the defeats? Mental illness is rampant in our culture. What if we had a group that would come together and, and just talk and, and minister and nurture each other, pray for each other? Our kindred spirits is our, our widows group. They're having lunch together tomorrow. It, it, it's been fascinating to see how not just the women, the widows in our church, but even in our community have come alongside and said this is something that we need to be ministered to and we need help in walking through. And you see the, the possibilities are as endless as the experience of life. And oh, that we would be a church that would faithfully support and shepherd and care for those going through difficult seasons of life. In 2020, let us be strengthened by grace. But in 2020 also, let us worship always. We must continue to nurture the Spirit of God in worship, to, to, to invite the Spirit to come. The Scripture says that, 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 that God is Spirit and truth, and He looks for those who worship in Spirit and truth. And oh, that God would see us in our worship and, and see that it resonates in spirit and truth and that God would come and fill us each and every time we gather together and change our lives and our hearts. I'm excited about the next worship series. It begins next week. Jesus 2020. Not, not the year 2020, but 2020 as in vision. The story of Zacchaeus is where we'll begin next week. It's the story in which the Scripture tells us that Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because of the crowd, because of the people around him, because of the culture in which he lived. And we're going to begin to ask the Lord in 2020, the year 2020, to give us 2020 vision as we gather in worship, as we look at the Gospels to see Jesus more clearly. Chad, I'm excited about the different things in, in worship, choir and orchestra, the opportunities we've had in concerts, the new thing we've had is, as, as artists, as Christian ministers have, have contacted us and said, would you, would you host us for a concert? Would you be a place that we can invite your community to come and to worship and to hear the gospel? Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife are, are coming, have contacted us, his, his agent, I guess, and they're coming at the end of April to lead in worship here. What a great opportunity we have to invite our community to come and to hear his powerful story, their powerful story, as they would lead in worship. This year also, in worship, our worship team is has been working with some consultants. We've got to, to move forward as, as we talk about worship, as we talk about worship reaching into our community and even into our world. We've got to move forward technologically to be able to, to live stream our worship services, to be able to, to put them online and record the worship services that take place so that they can be shared, so that they can inspire and encourage folks in, in nursing homes, shut-ins that can't get here, missionaries that live on the other side of the globe, Young adults who come into a community and say, you know, I'm really not going to go to a church until I can kind of check them out and see what worship looks like online. As our worship team works through some, with some consultants and some bids, 
We need to be ready as a congregation to come alongside and to support that and, and to make the sacrifices that we need to to upgrade our facility here so that we have the proper light and sound to offer live streaming in the near future. I'm also reminded that we give our tithes and offerings as an act of worship. Our budget this next year is just under $2 million. You look at the facilities that we have, the ministry staff that we support, the variety of programs and ministries that we have, and you can understand $2 million is a lot of money. But it's where the Spirit of God has led us as a church to say, this is the ministry plan that we are committed to. And I would tell you, as a matter of my own confession, is that, that I commit to you to continue to offer my tithes, my offerings, gay and eyes. That's our commitment to the fellowship here. But we can't do it alone. You don't pay me that much. <laughs> but together, together, isn't that beautiful? Together, if we all give our tithes, our offerings, if we'll all begin this year, if we've not practiced that discipline before, if we'd all commit, then we can see what God would do through our generosity, which would go well beyond what our ministry plan goal is. Would you join us this year in worship through giving your tithes and offerings? I'm reminded also that we worship, as the Scripture says, we worship through doing good and through sharing. I think of our community ministry. I, I was blessed when I heard in, the, in their last meeting, they said, we have a desire to better minister and connect with families and children that are at risk in our community. What a powerful vision. What a, what a powerful mission for us to connect with those that are struggling and hurting with life and to say, you know what? We have a Lord that loves you and that, that wants to bless you and save you and redeem you. And we are a people that would welcome you into our midst, that we could walk with you and see what God would do in your life. One of our annual events is our Super Bowl fellowship and lunch. It's two weeks from today. As I say, it happens to take place on the day of that other football game. During that time, we'll take an offering for hunger. I want to challenge you even today to begin praying about what you would give towards that. Half of that offering will go towards our food pantry. You'll be given uh, grocery bags on that day as well that have a list of things that we need in our food pantry. But let me share, Angela has shared with me over the last, last few months how things have changed in our community for various reasons. But daily and weekly, we have people coming in that, that are living on the street, that are living in harsh conditions and are saying, we need what we call an emergency food bag. And it's a bag that has enough food for one day. And over the last weeks in our community, certainly as the weather has turned, as, as things have gotten more difficult, people, we're giving away more and more and more and more food bags for people coming in off the street. It's an area where part of the offering we take will go for the Super Bowl Sunday. And our missions team has responsibility to dream about where we might send a, a portion to help with hunger relief in other parts of the world. And they would like to this year to, for us to, to buy some livestock. Isn't that exciting? 
to work with some organizations or an organization that, that helps to bring livestock into villages and with, with the poor in our world so that they might have a cow or a sheep or a lamb or chickens. One of the groups advertises you can buy some baby chicks for $14. You can buy goats and a dairy animals for $70. That's probably just one. <laughs> you can buy honeybees, which I suspect is more than one, at $20. Wouldn't it be great as, as we begin to share the, the cost of the, the, the agency we're going to support that you would say, you know what, our family's going to buy a goat for somebody. You know, our family's going to buy some chicks for someone. Our family's going to buy an oxen, more than $75, going to buy an oxen for someone. Would you do that? Would, we, would our acts of good deeds be, in response to this offering, be an act of worship as we move forward? In 2020, let us worship always. In 2020, let us pray for our leadership and pray for our church. As Roy Joe shared his retirement last week, we, we have a great opportunity over these next eight to ten weeks to celebrate and to give thanks to Roy, Joe, and Lydia for an, an incredible, wonderful 12 years of ministry. Let's be faithful in that. Let's say thank you. But let's also celebrate and give thanks for, for our ministers, for our, our, our deacons, for our other leadership. Let's pray and consider how we should move forward. This week I'll be meeting with leadership from personnel and our trustees, our budget and finance, our strategic planning as we talk about moving forward, particularly with our, with our ministry staff and a lot of Roy Joe's retirement. And how do we move forward to cover all the many things that Roy Joe did over these last years? So pray for our leadership, pray for our ministers and our leaders that they'll offer an example of faith and of following after Christ. Pray for your ministers and leaders. You know, we, we experience life just like you do. Our families hurt just like you do. We get cancer just like you do. Our families grow up and move out of the house just like they do at your house. Pray for us. Pray for your ministry staff. Pray, pray for your leaders. Because we experience life. We're not immune from life just because we, we come here to work every day. Pray for us. Be faithful in that. Pray for our church. I, I hope you have a, a prayer group that you meet with regularly or even in your own quiet time where you're praying regularly for our church. We have a Monday men's prayer group that's been meeting for years. They would love to have some men come and join them at 4 o'clock at the Family Life Center. Is that right? Does that sound right, Alan? Vaughn? 3 o'clock? Okay. 3 o'clock. There we go. They moved it up earlier so they could pray longer. No, they'd, they'd love to have you. <laughs> On Wednesday evenings, we have our evening prayer time. Come and join us at 6 o'clock before you go to a Bible study. On Sunday mornings, we pray in the prayer room at 845. Chuck and Phyllis Gage and I, we'd love to have some others come and join us just for 10 or 15 minutes. Pray for our church and pray for our strategic planning team as, as we've initiated them, as I met with them last week, and as we begin to have strategic conversations about mission, vision, staff, ministries, and facilities. Pray as we seek God's will and direction and, and in, in, instigate and, and institute the conversations that as a church that we need to have as we look to moving forward. Pray for our missions team. 
One of the exciting things our missions team is doing is saying we need to focus internationally somewhere. We need to focus in, in a region. We need to focus with a missionary couple. We need to focus with a specific work somewhere, maybe a church. They'd love to hear from you about some connections and contacts you have, but they want us to focus. Let's pray as we move forward. Let's pray for the new members that we have coming to our church, for young adults, for our university students, and how we can integrate them into the life of our church. On February the 29th, did you know we have a February 29th this year? Once every four years? It happens to be on a Saturday this year. We're going to have a day of prayer at the church. What? We get an extra day of the year. What better way to spend it than, than in prayer as a church? From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we're going we're gonna to have a prayer stations, and it'll take you about an hour, and we would ask that you come up. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples at the Garden of Gethsemane? Could you not keep watch with me for just an hour? Could you not just come up on a Saturday for an hour to pray for your church, to pray for our ministry? February 29th would be that day. As we look at 2020, I want us to again to just share these, what I'm calling these key initiatives for 2020. First of all, our family ministry. Out of that will flow shepherding ministry, will flow support group ministry. Our worship technology certainly will enhance our, our worship expression and outreach as we seek to, 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 to offer that witness in our community, in our nation, in our world. And then for our strategic planning team, as we seek the Lord regarding vision, ministry, staff, and facilities for 2020 and beyond. I am excited about 2020. Not for the election, yeah, for the Olympics, but I'm really excited about what I sense God is doing here in this place. For in 2020, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But may we not be the same. May we grow. May we mature. And may we work out our salvation both personally and as a family of faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this powerful reminder today and for this vision as we move forward. We pray that you would guide us, you would direct us, you would encourage us. We pray for our leaders. We pray for a vision for ministry to reach out to, to families and children that are at risk. Father, we sense, we sense it in worship, we sense it in our, in our small groups, our life groups, we, we sense on Wednesday night as we gather around the table that your Spirit is stirring, that your Spirit is doing great things, is birthing new things in our midst. Lord, may we be faithful to perceive and understand and move forward in faith together as your people together in our families, or bring healing, renewal, reconciliation in our relationships, in our lives, as we look to 2020, and as we look to what your Spirit is doing. Our primary goal, our goal as a people is to, to make disciples in our world, and maybe today is the day of your salvation. Maybe today is the day that you invite Christ into your life and say, you know, I want Him to be the same yesterday, today, and forever in my life as well. If Christ is calling you, you come and we'll, we'll visit, we'll pray, we'll walk through that together and we'll glorify God. Let's stand together as we sing.